0: You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV
1: show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning there will be spoilers, and there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. On Force Friends Rewatch, we watch Star Wars television shows, and then we talk about them. We are currently covering every Mandalorian-themed episode of every Star Wars show. So, we started with Clone Wars, then we worked our way through Rebels, and now we are on Season 2 of The Mandalorian, Episode 3, the cameo. Uh, (laughs) But before we get into that, we have a guest. Yeah. Uh we have Molly from Star Wars Explained.
2: Hello. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thank
1: you so much for being here. We're very excited yeah. to talk to you about Star Wars.
2: Yeah. It's uh I, I love this episode of Mando. It's definitely one of my favorites.
1: It slaps really hard. It's a really <laughs> good episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh but before we before we dive into mando, uh we just want to talk to you about, you know, Star Wars and fandom and stuff. Yeah. I would say that you are an extremely public figure in Star Wars fandom <laughs> and a, a very prominent woman in Star Wars fandom and that's got to be a lot to deal with at times.
2: Uh yeah, at times it's it's a little strange to uh to be considered someone that's that's big in the fandom but you know it's uh it's a good time i'm I'm enjoying it (laughs) there's there's definitely weird like levels
1: of celebrity in life where like i knew a ton of people on my college campus and i was well known on campus but then the second i was out of lynchburg virginia Nobody knew who I was, (laughs) you know, and like, I feel like internet celebrity is kind of like that where like, definitely people know who you are, but no one, no one maybe in your personal life, like knows or cares about what you do. I know that's probably how Becca feels sometimes, Ryan.
0: <laughs> Most definitely, my my girlfriend is a is a cosplayer with like all, a whole bunch of followers on any platform. She like created a TikTok and blinked and had like thirty thousand or some insane number immediately. Wow! But but yeah, but she also like manages a Starbucks, and it, <laughs> I think she has been recognized there once in like three years.
2: Nice. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I imagine it's quite the same experience for you
2: it can be, yeah, like when we went to celebration uh, in Chicago, we got recognized quite a bit, and it was really strange. but like <laughs> we 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 normally go to Dragon Con every year because it's in Atlanta, and we don't I mean, a few people may recognize us there, like that are there for Star Wars things, but otherwise, it's just like it's it's nothing <laughs>
1: i uh, I came up to you guys at celebration. Uh, And it was really it was really fun meeting y'all. It it was definitely the vibe of like, I don't know if they get recognized a lot in real life, but I'm like geeking out to my fiance like that's Alex and Molly. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: It's it's happened a couple of times, mostly like if we're in really nerdy spaces around Atlanta. But yeah, when it does happen, it's it's really fun and cool but it's also just like wait how do they know me oh right because i'm on the internet
0: <laughs> that's just super interesting because i feel like you're super well known in this very massive community that's not all that ma- i don't know it's a small world i'm not sure what i'm trying to say
2: <laughs> <laughs> It it is a small world and it's it's funny because it doesn't always feel like that and like online with star wars fandom but it's a rather small space compared to everything else.
0: Yeah. And we've talked on the show a lot before about how celebration very much has that family reunion feeling. And I, I I imagine even more so for you just because with the size of the follower base.
2: Yeah. But it's, it's so great to like put faces to names and things like that. And it's, it's funny because every, like every time we go to a convention, We'll meet up with people that we know online and I'm like, oh, it's so-and-so. And and I'll say their Twitter handle and I'm like, oh, wait, (laughs) no, they have a name.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) It's always funny uh, if you have, like, a Twitter friend and their icon isn't their own. (laughs) Like, like, isn't their face. And then all Uh of a sudden they post a selfie and it's like, oh, snap. Like, that's, (laughs) that's who you are. You're not just, like... Jar Jar in a party hat, like yeah, you have like a physical, a physical form. Yeah. <laughs> did you see yourself getting into Star Wars YouTube? Like, how did how did that all start?
2: Uh, I didn't definitely didn't see myself ending up with a job like this, but Alex started the channel. I think it was twenty twenty fourteen, and kind of the reason behind him starting the channel was going back to dragon con he competes in like a trivia contest there every year and he was studying for it one year and he was like trying to read all these things on wikipedia or wikipedia and he was like this is just like too too long he was like i wonder if anyone on youtube like creates short videos explaining like who these minor characters are um and so He was like, oh, well, I I know how to edit videos and do stuff like that. So that's kind of how it got started. And I thought it was great. Uh, I never really thought that I would be a part of it until we started doing like the weekly Q&A videos. And I was like, I could probably be on these. And he was like, yeah, do it. And yeah, it kind of just snowballed from there. (laughs) But it's, I, it's a good time. I, I enjoy doing it a lot.
1: I remember back during the Star Wars Minute days and yeah. uh I remember when you first came on and I was like, She's super cool. I hope Alex brings her on more. <laughs> and um like Star Wars is so often like a boys club mm. and uh being a a queer person and a non binary person, like it, it doesn't always feel like I can walk up and sit down at the table. And, uh, you know, I I loved the channel and was, you know, a subscriber and stuff. And then I was like, oh, wow, like Molly is a great addition. And it just it it felt like more you you, you made it more approachable to other people joining the the roster as it will. Uh, So (laughs) I thought that was awesome that you jumped on board was there any pushback to it from from watchers or anything
2: um not really every, every once in a while you know i i try to stay away from the comments section most of the time just cuz you know mental health yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah every once in a while uh, you'd see a comment and it was like what why is she here like what does she even <laughs> know what she's talking about and i'm like Maybe uh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but you know, <laughs> so it's, it's funny cause Alex, uh, when I started being on the channel a lot more, he, uh, obviously we got a lot of good feedback and someone said, uh, Wow, I always liked your videos, but now they're funny or like now they're fun to watch. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's savage. That's the most backhanded compliment ever. I love that.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> he just and he he kinda goes along with it because he's like, you know, I can be very like robotic in some ways, uh just like reading scripts and talking about just Characters and and the trivia side of things, and I like to say that I'm there to keep him grounded and to be like, okay, what what does that mean, though? Like, <laughs> I I know a lot about Star Wars and I've been a fan for a long time, but I'm still kind of the person to be like, okay, but like, what would a regular person think about this?
1: <laughs> well, I think there's also different expressions of fandom, and uh, I find it really frustrating when uh there's definitely a subsection of Star Wars fans who like trivia or minutia is the only way they quantify fandom mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, I love engaging in that like I will definitely sit down and play around a Star Wars trivia and have a good time, but like the expression of fandom through writing fan fiction or doing cosplay or. Mm-hmm making stop motion animation videos with your Legos or, you know, whatever it is you do to show your love of star Wars, uh, in my mind is all like equally awesome. And, uh, the, you know, if someone makes an incredible Padme cosplay, which Padme's costumes are super crazy. Mm. Someone, you know, slaves away at that, but they haven't seen, Rogue One, are they any less of a fan because they, you know, put all this time and effort and love into making this costume? Like, no, that's that's absurd. Like, that that expression of fandom is just as much as, yes. you know, someone who remembers uh, Tivik's
2: name. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And Very it, true.
0: Yeah. And one of my favorite things about what y'all have done, Andy turned me on to your videos a couple years ago, actually, is the sort of fan that expresses their fandom just through knowing a whole bunch of trivia all too often falls into this trap where like even beyond just the gatekeeping that you sometimes see
2: mm-hmm.
0: they're very they almost lose sight of the theme of the story you know like they're they're worried about what adds to the canon like if a bad batch episode doesn't introduce a new planet and a whole new dynamic they'll say it's filler even though there's this the story is evolving and that's what it's really all about with your videos. They're the only like lore videos I've ever seen where they talk about these facts of the story and how they build to the overall story, but they don't, they never fail to grasp the point and the theme of what, whatever story this obscure character was from was actually trying to say.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We love
0: that.
2: Yeah. We, we try to, you know, stay as positive as we can about everything and, yes. and just try to find the meaning behind uh, everything in Star Wars. Because, like, if you're going to make Star Wars content, but you're going to be negative about it all the time, like, what?
0: That's, <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: that's I don't know that that's worth doing that, that might get. Get yes. old fast, and then and then it'll just like start to spill over into the rest of your life, and you'll just be this very negative person all the time.
1: Hundred percent. We've we've gotten called shills. Um, oh yeah. And oh yeah. We, we've gotten called, <laughs> uh, you know, like needlessly positive, or or, or Disney suck ups or, or things like that. And and I've seen all all that and much worse come at you guys, and. <laughs> uh, You know, when I think about watching your videos and when I think about, you know, recording this podcast, like Ryan and I are very vocal about the stuff we don't like Mm -hmm. and we'll we'll point it out. We we have a section for it every episode where we talk about (laughs) what we would have done differently if if we or if we could change anything, what we would change. And you and Alex are not shy about, you know, when when stories don't connect, but. Y'all don't harass actors. Y'all don't uh, engage in like wild conspiracy theories, and uh, y'all aren't like rude to other fans. And for that, it's like, oh, you're you're labeled as, uh, you know, like too positive or 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 a shill or something. And I'm like, what? What is? Th- what do words mean anymore? Like,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. We've done reviews definitely that are like, you know, this wasn't for me. That's, that's kind of our, our go-to thing. Like if we don't like it, it's usually because that thing wasn't made for someone like us. Um, and when we started making videos, we were like, okay, we want to make content that if someone stumbles upon our channel and starts watching videos, they're not going to feel like weird or like an outcast for whatever it is that they like, you know, everybody's fandom is different and everyone can like different things. And we were like, we don't want to make anyone feel bad for what they like. So we try to try to stay really positive and, and kind of neutral on some stuff. Just cause like, we don't, we don't want to make anyone feel bad.
1: <laughs> well, the, the stuff that I do dislike, I try not to focus on it because mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, so I don't, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about it or rewatching it. Uh so yeah, the the kind of YouTubers out there who make these like five hour live streams <laughs> about. This Star Wars project or that Star Wars project that they hated. I'm just like, how do you have the energy for that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how can you spend that much time on something that you clearly despised?
2: Yeah. And gosh, yeah, exactly about having the energy to do that. I don't understand, like, talking about how much you hate something for that long. And then what do you do after that? You just, you end the live stream and you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to go hang out with my family and, and like, be a normal person now. Like, I, I, it's, it's so strange to think about some people that just make such a fuss over things that they don't like or think are bad, but, you know, hate, uh, and anger sells pretty well on YouTube. So. Yeah,
1: I guess, Sad but I, I, true. I guess I'd do a lot if the paycheck was high enough, <laughs> you know, I'll make a six hour video about the last Jedi or what have you. Um <laughs> I guess speaking of hate and YouTube, uh, I feel like you've gotten awards for ruining Star Wars. Have, have I seen that? Was that oh, were yeah. you on that list? Right?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's some kind of Shill Awards that happens every year, and I've I've been what? nominated like five, four, five years in a row now.
1: Amazing! Have you I been nominated more round. than Alex? <laughs>
2: it's usually um it's funny it's usually both of us that get nominated but like i'm really the only one that even have uh, tweeted back at the guy that does it and i'm just like why do you do this i i would like to know (laughs) because like alex never says anything or does anything with kind of like that side of the fandom he just doesn't respond and I try not to, but sometimes I do. But I'm like, so you're still putting Alex on here just because even though like you're not getting a rise out of him either way. Yeah. And it's yeah, they're they're just trying to get a rise out of people and it's silly. But
1: I, I mean, King, I <laughs> I guess congrats. Uh, I wish <laughs> yeah. I had the power and ability to ruin Star Wars. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. uh I didn't even know I was doing it, but or to
1: shill whatever whatever the phrase is. I feel like they change it up every so often. Yeah. (laughs) My my block list on Twitter is very long, so it takes a while for the uh, whatever the new conspiracy theory is to to catch up. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. I go and I block more people. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, back to good things, I guess. (laughs) What was your first Star Wars? I love asking people what their first like entry point is because it's always. Uh, you know, an interesting answer.
2: Yeah. Uh. So the, my first introduction to star Wars was the original trilogy. Um, I saw it in middle school. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but at the time I, I know like my dad bought that gold VHS set of the movies. So we had those and I watched them and I didn't really think, think much of them at first I was just like yeah no that that was cool and I had some friends at school that were like I was a friend I was friends with a lot of guys at school and they were you know I guess they, they were considered the nerdy guys they would like Star Wars and comic books and all that stuff and I I liked being kind of one of the guys to be able to talk about that stuff with them and they were always like wait you like Star Wars, you like this or that or video games. And I'm like, yeah, why why shouldn't I? (laughs) But, uh, and I remember going to see episode one, like opening night with some of my friends. And I was just, I was like the perfect age. I think I was 12, um, which is is, like the target audience, I think for, for episode one and the prequels in general. So I remember going to see that and just thinking it was really, really cool and awesome. And I was like, man, Star Star Wars is back. And like, I remember some of my older friends, you know, they they were kind of like, Oh, Jar Jar of this. And uh, the prequels that, and I was like, eh, I don't know if that's going to be how people are going to remember these movies uh, in a couple of years. And, you know, lo and behold, now the prequels are like, I don't want to say universally loved, but they've kind of had like this resurgence and I knew that that would happen. And I think that the same thing was probably going to happen, you know, with the sequel trilogy. Cause there's a lot of people that love to hate on the sequel trilogy. Um, but I think maybe 10 years down the road, I think a lot of people will talk about how great the last Jedi was and definitely how it's just a universally loved movie. And like, all the negative discourse surrounding it is going to just kind of fall off eventually.
1: Definitely. The, the second they do new movies, people will come around on yeah. the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Because it it used to be Return of the Jedi was hated. And then as mm-hmm. soon as the prequels came out, everyone was like, oh, well, Return of the Jedi was great. It's the prequels that are ruining Star Wars. And <laughs> The prequels were I mean- hated, and then the sequel trilogy came out, and...
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, I I think I've mentioned this on here a couple of times, but in short, my girlfriend and I saw The Last Jedi a week before it came out at a screening. And the moment it was over, I knew two things. I knew I loved it and I knew that was going to be an unpopular opinion because Luke Skywalker on that cliff at the end of The Force Awakens created more anticipation than any other Star Wars moment. And everybody wrote that movie in their head. And that's what it is. Over time, you accept that it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And then mm-hmm. you form your real opinion. That's what happened with the prequels. Everybody had an idea of Darth Vader's turn to the dark side.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and none of
0: us saw Jar Jar coming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was just a, a pleasant surprise, really. Yeah,
0: I love Jar Jar.
2: Um, yeah, like when we saw The Last Jedi... Uh, you're, you're right. A lot of that stuff is like surrounding Luke. And it's just like these, these beloved characters that, you know, Star Wars fans love and adore so much. Just, just the fact that they're having new stuff written about them in the, the sequel trilogy. It's, it's bound to make someone angry. You know, it's yes. going to, it's, it's not going to live up to everyone's expectations. It's, it's not going to be what everybody wanted for that character. Uh, cause When we like came out of the theater after seeing Last Jedi, at first Alex was kind of, I don't don't know if he was in shock or what, because he was just like, I don't what what just happened? Like Luke's dead now. (laughs) And he was just like that had to sit with him, you know, for a while. And it it took, I think, watching it another time or two for him to like sit with the meaning of the movie and, and understand Luke's journey. And Ray and everything. And, you know, he, he definitely came around to it. And I, I think that some people still just see that movie as, you know, oh, the, the thing that ruined it, <laughs> which is unfortunate because it's yeah. a great movie. And, and you know, Ryan Johnson's a fantastic filmmaker and director. He's one of my
1: favorite directors alive. Yeah, he's brilliant. Brick. Brick is yeah. my number one favorite movie. And Brothers Bloom is a close number two. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. so when he was announced to do a Star War I was my expectations were through the roof
2: yeah and it's...
1: I left the theater and my fiance was like what would you think and I was like I think I need to think about that like don't talk to me <laughs> like, <laughs> and then like on the drive home I was just thinking about the movie and like my feelings towards it. and I was like I think I loved it but maybe I didn't but I think I loved it and Evan was like oh, I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. And then we, like, started talking about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I did love it. Like, Ryan did not give me what I wanted from a Star Wars movie, but yes. he...
2: Right, yeah.
1: One, he threaded the he thread the needle of it, he made a Ryan Johnson movie that is a Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. which is wild. And then two, Absolutely. it maybe wasn't what I, like, thought I wanted from that movie, but it's definitely what like Star Wars needed. Yes. And I hope more people take risks when making Star Wars movies.
2: Yeah. You're you're exactly right with saying that it's it's a Ryan Johnson movie that happens to also be Star Wars. That's I I hope that that trend, you know, c- continues to happen and I I do really hope we still get a trilogy from him. I know we haven't heard about any news on that in a while, but I really hope I really that hope so. Yeah, I hope that his experience making The Last Jedi doesn't just completely turn him off from Star Wars from now on. I don't think it will, but, you know, if I were him, I might be like, "Ah, do I want to make another Star Wars
1: movie? Well, if you think about, you know, another fandom with the MCU, those movies definitely have a formula that they follow. Mm -hmm. And you look at Thor Ragnarok, where Taika Waititi made a Taika Waititi movie that also happens to be in the MCU. And can you imagine the sort of Star Wars movie, like a really talented creator like Taika Waititi could make? Could you imagine a Star Wars Taika Waititi movie? Like that would be incredible. Yeah. Um. Not to mention every director of a Star Wars movie, as far as I'm aware, has been a straight white dude like yes, yeah. could you could you imagine what a, a a talented uh like queer person could do like could you imagine a wachowski star wars movie could you imagine oh man could, could you imagine uh you know giving the reins to uh just Anyone besides a straight white dude. I'm literally blanking <laughs> on every name that I've ever thought of, of any film d- director that I've enjoyed. <laughs> but like, can you just imagine someone else, another voice getting to tell that story and what they could do uh, if they were allowed to make like a risky movie. And I think it'd be rad.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm so, so looking forward to Patty Jenkins doing yes. rogue squadron. Alex is also, he's, he loves X Wings, he loves pilots and anything involving them. So he's, you know, super excited to see what that movie brings. And she just she it sounds like she's really gonna knock it out of the park. And she's mm-hmm. like she's really into the fandom and you know, it just what it sounds like, how she's working on the film, it it's it's probably gonna be pretty good and I'm really excited going yeah.
0: forward. Every word she's she hasn't said much, but every word she said has just increased my excitement level. Yeah. The day that they were making all those announcements, I was at work and one of my team was like telling me everything as it was getting tweeted. And that was the only one that I had to go sit down for. Like that was. <laughs> oh. ugh, that was yeah, it.
2: that that little video that she shot ugh. where she's like getting in the X-Wing. It just ugh, I get chills just thinking yeah, about same. it.
1: She she freaking gets it. And yeah. uh, I, I'm just very stoked to to see a a another voice get their hands on a movie. It's going to be a movie. It it's is a one a movie. Team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's rad. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Kenobi is being made by a woman, right? Yeah, Deborah Chow. Dream that? Yeah, no, Deborah Chow. Yeah. So stoked. So stoked. She is
0: the after. Athena Portillo with Resistance. She is the second woman of color to helm a Star Wars project.
2: Yeah, and her episodes of Mandalorian so far have been so good. A great
1: transition to talking about the Mandalorian. So let's let's jump on it a half hour into this podcast. (laughs) Uh, We we only talk
0: about Star Wars television shows.
1: We watched season two, episode three, The Duchess. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you've watched it, but just to do the fastest recap ever, uh, Dane delivers Frog Lady to the water planet they're headed to. There's a very touching reunion and some frog smooches and, uh, uh, Frog Lady kind of did din dirty in that <laughs> she was like, my husband knows where Mandalorians are. And his advice is go ask at the bar. Like, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I feel like that trip deserved more of an answer, Frogman, but sure. Uh, Din asks some Quarren uh, to deliver him to the Mandos. It's a trap. Uh, Bo fucking Katan shows up and kicks so much ass, uh, along with Sasha Banks and some other guy. And uh, some action, some fighting. They strong arm Mando into helping. Do some light piracy, a lot of action and fighting, and some the light piracy turns into heavier piracy when Bo-Katan alters the deal. Um, there's just a lot of great Imperial scenes. Every one of these, like, there's like four Imperials without helmets, and every one of them has like a phenomenal moment of just being, like, scared or cowardly or really devoted to the cause. Uh, But there's some Gideon reveals, Bo-Katan's after the Darksaber. They uh, don't really get along, but they leave on positive terms, but they respect each other. Uh, And that's the the end of the... Oh, and Bo is like, oh, Ahsoka. And that's the (laughs) end of the episode. Yeah. Fastest recap ever. All (laughs) of that's canon. It happened just like that. (laughs) Ryan... What did you think of this episode?
0: I, my first and foremost thought, and whether I like it or not, I will always associate this memory with this episode. The first time we watched it, we were having problems with our internet. And the moment when Bo-Katan comes into frame, like the second we see her, the internet cut out and we couldn't watch the rest for 20 (gasps) minutes. Those were the best (laughs) 20 minutes of my Star Wars fandom. We discussed every possible outcome and still loved what we got more than anything we came up with unintentional cliffhanger right there. <laughs> I loved it. I loved the episode. It was a solid Star Wars story that paid enough reference to what came before without anything feeling forced.
1: Molly, what'd you think?
2: I I uh, I really loved this episode. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard directing Mandalorian episodes. Uh, she's, she's so good. I, mm-hmm. I loved her episode in season one, and I was stoked to hear that she was behind the Bo-Katan episode and Bo-Katan is one of my favorite characters. And I, I never thought we would see her in live action. So when she pops up that cool, like kick-ass music starts playing, <laughs> like the music in this episode is really good too. Oh yeah, And I was just like, Holy shit, they're doing it. They're doing Bo-Katan. Ugh. And uh, so many cool name drops in this episode. We get to hear the dark saber and yeah, Ahsoka, she brings up Ahsoka, tell her bo sent you. Oh, so good. So a lot of good uh, Grogu moments, too. I'm a I'm a big, big Grogu fan. So, yeah, I will always talk about his cute <laughs> little moments in every episode. But yeah, the, I, the
1: octopus is is very good. Oh, gosh.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Don't play with your food. <laughs> Um, but I also really loved that despite this episode having this this like huge cameo and being like full of action, we also get a lot of movement for Din's story as well. So we kind of find out a little bit about his upbringing and the fact that he's yeah. a child of the Watch and they're just like, oh, like you're one of those Mandalorian. And he's like, what? So he starts to find out, you know, that, yeah, there are other Mandalorians out there and they take their helmets off and they think that you're from a cult, basically. <laughs> so this, this episode has so much good stuff in it.
1: Uh, I'm a big fan of Critical Role, which um, is an actual play show where uh, a group of voice actors plays Dungeons and Dragons. And every Halloween, uh, these voice actors dress up as characters that they've done voices for. Uh, So, like, Matt Mercer uh, dressed as McCree from Overwatch because he's the voice of McCree. Uh, And they they all do it. It's very fun. Um, A bunch of them have been, like, different superheroes in in DC and Marvel stuff. And it's a good time. And uh, it's just fun seeing these, you know, super talented voice actors... Uh, like physically embody the characters Uh, for their Halloween stream. I can't imagine voicing a character and then being presented the opportunity to portray them in a live action TV show. Like that's wildly cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, fingers are crossed that they do it again for a certain blue uh, war criminal. But um, yeah, whenever I see fan casts for Thrawn, I'm like, why would you cast anyone but uh, Mickelson? He does such a good yeah. job, but mm-hmm. and he looks it.
0: He looks, he has the physicality for the role.
1: Yeah, uh, I I love that they did that. Um, this episode rules. Everything you guys have said, I agree with. Um, I remember when I watched it, I like dropped my food and like went down to <laughs> pick it up. Mm -hmm. And in the time where I was, like, struggling to find uh, the, like, jalapeno popper or whatever it was I was eating, like, Grogu had gotten knocked into the water. And then, like, I pop up and, like, Bo-Katan's there. And I'm like, I feel like I missed something. What is going on? (laughs) Uh, So I made everyone rewind uh, so I could could see her entrance. It's a very Um,
2: fast-paced episode. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it doesn't let
0: up. No, and it's it's shorter than, I think, the whole rest of the season, but that's fine. That is not mm-hmm. a critique. Yeah. It's as long as it needs to be.
1: Yeah. Okutan has been a very interesting character in this rewatch because we've been watching, in chronological order, every Mando-themed episode. And she has a lot of character development that happens between things. Yes. Mm-hmm. In that she shows up and she is... Uh, a horrible person and <laughs> um is like killing innocent villagers and kidnapping people and like enslaving them and stuff she's a really bad dude and then gradually over the course of clone wars uh you know kind of out of nowhere she starts helping her sister and obi-wan and then by the time we get to rebels she's like a full goodie she's not even like an anti-hero and uh, it kind of feels like we've we we have missing chunks of her of her life and her thought process. And yeah. I remembered the first time seeing her in this show, I was like, "Wow, she feels kind of like too good of a character." Um, like like she's had her edges softened. And then rewatching this episode yesterday before recording, I was like, "No, she's a baddie again." Kind of like. Yeah, she she feels on this rewatch with all the context from before with this podcast. Uh, I I feel like I noticed more of uh, more nuance in her.
2: Yeah, she she's like she you know wants that dark saber and she's gonna do everything she can possibly do to get it back, and she has that moment. Towards the end with the Imperial guy and she's like, I know he has it or I know he knows where it is. Like, tell me and I'll let you live like she's she's just going to go on a killing spree until she gets that Darksaber. So I'm so excited to see what they do with her and this Darksaber and then going forward in like season three. I really hope we end up going to Mandalore in the show. I think that would be. Really, really cool.
1: And she she straight up lies to Din, like, multiple times. And when he, like, eventually calls her on it of, like, hey, that's not what I agreed to do. This is way more than what you let on to. Mm-hmm. She just, like, really flippantly uh, is, like, if you want to know about this Jedi, like, you'll do what you're told and stop questioning me. And he's, like, I'm not comfortable with that. And yeah. she, she throws his words back in his face of this is the way. And, uh, you know, she's going to girl boss gatekeep gaslight her way to get that dark sayer. And I'm here to root for her.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Ryan, any Bocatan thoughts? Um, nothing beyond what you
0: said. I mean, I, this episode more than I think any other Bocatan story made me really want to see the big picture. I want to know what happened. After her seeming victory in Rebels. I mean, we can infer it, but I need to see it. I'm like that.
2: Mm-hmm. She
1: needs a solo comic series or like Ooh. a trilogy of novels.
0: Yeah. Oh, novels would be excellent. If there was that's a-, a character, we've never really gotten into her head. Like she hasn't shown up in the kind of media where we can really see her process.
1: Like, after the Padman trilogy is done, if we got a Poketan novel during the Clone Wars, one during Rebels, and one, like, right before we see her in Mando, that would be, that would be dope.
2: That would be so, so cool. Yeah, because we could go back and get stuff, like, with her and her sister, her and, Mm -hmm. like, the rest of her family. And, yeah, she's a very hardened character. On the outside, but you know there's a lot going on in yeah. her head.
1: I know EK Johnston said she like <sighs> wants to do an Obi Wan Satine novel, but oh yeah, uh, if I was in charge of uh, Lucasfilm publishing, I'd be calling her up to do a Bocatan trilogy. Be oh, that'd be so good. EK, have me have me be your agent. I'll <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll I'll pitch the best the, the best pitches your way. Uh... Sure. Yeah, she is a fascinating character. Uh, I love that every Mandalorian has, like, their signature weapon. Like, Boba Fett has his carbine, and Jango Fett has his dual pistols, and Sabine Wren has explosions, and Bo-Katan has, like, fist knives? It's like (laughs) one Wolverine claw per hand, and it's, it's like, really thick. I don't know what it's called. I'm sure it has a name. But yeah. she's just, like, punching people with knives, and it's it's the coolest thing.
2: Yeah, there's, there's, uh, I did notice that when I rewatched this episode, like, there's a really loud knife, like, sound effect that would, you would, you can hear it, like, every time she punches somebody, or, like, that little knife uh, flicks out, and it's, yeah, it's, like, one of her... Seems like one of her signature things. I guess it's just like part of her gauntlet. I don't know if the other ones have them too, but she's just like a really big fan of using hers. But she has cool like dual pistols too. Like that hallway hallway scene on the freighter is just chef's kiss where they're just like plowing down stormtroopers.
1: It's some great action stuff. We see some really cool uh, original trilogy weapons on stormtroopers as well as uh, they get the... Uh, What looked like, to me, the short Trooper rifles from Rogue One, and I just thought that That was was neat to see, like, you know, whenever we get multiple eras of Star Wars interacting, I think it's super cool. So even just seeing Bo-Katan fighting stormtroopers and stuff is cool when she, like, started in Clone Wars, but seeing, like, different tech or different types of aliens from, from different eras, like, interacting is always neat. Yeah. Also, a Gazanti.
2: Yeah. First live action Gazanti is super cool. <laughs> also, it got it gets named too, like just yes. the fact that Bo Katan's like, you see that Gazanti freighter over there, and all the nerds are just like, Yeah, she said the thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, we yes. see
2: it, Bo Katan, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that is what that is.
0: <laughs> I've, I love the the Gazanti. I was just reading about this when I was researching for this episode it was in attack of the clones and then they redressed the model just as like space traffic for clone wars and then when rebels came around and the budget was a little lower i mean the gazanti is already vaguely triangle shaped just stick a couple tie fighters on the bottom and now it's imperial and it's yeah. kind of come full circle <laughs> yeah love the gazanti
1: this is like a small praise but uh the the idea of dressing Mon calamari and Quarrin, like they are extras in uh the lighthouse yes, is delightful. Like the the fisherman sweater and there's like uh the Mon Cal bartender has like a big fuzzy red scarf and uh I don't know, they're like uh fishermen from the eighteen nineties, and I just really dig the the aesthetic choices of this episode. It's very fun.
2: Yeah. It's it's so good, and we we talked about it for the longest time, and we still bring it up every once in a while. We were like, we love that guy's sweater, the Montcalmari sweater, but we were like, how does he put that thing on? Like he's got <laughs> he, this, his like arm folds, are just like they're they're really big, and we were like, how does he put on his sweaters in the morning? Maybe maybe there's just like a series of buttons or zippers that we didn't see, but or maybe he just keeps it on all the time. <laughs> I
0: think they put it on when they're when they're young, and then they just grow into it, and the sweater <laughs> is a part <laughs> of them. They're, they're
2: constantly, like, yeah, it's constantly being knitted.
1: It's part of their identity. They're
2: oh, like man. snails
1: or hermit crabs. Every so often, they got to like go find a new one, but it's a real yeah. pain.
2: <laughs> There's a lot of uh, a lot of humor in this episode too, like the the cold open of them kind of like almost crashing into this planet basically basically and then you see the guy just kind of standing there shaking his head like yes oh boy and then at the end i love the end where he gets back into the the razor crest and it's just being held together by rope and just various things and he's like (sighs) mon calamari like that's just like a thing that he could scoff at like uh these I gave you a
1: thousand credits and that's the best you could do. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. I, I like that too, because this was definitely a thing in legends, but like every uh, species of alien is defined by like the one we saw in the movies. So like all Trandoshans are amazing bounty hunters and mm-hmm. all Rodians are greedy and all twilex are sexy and all moncal are like amazing tacticians and shipbuilders and stuff and here is this moncal mechanic who was given a pretty big budget and uh din is like can you repair this and he's like i'll do my best it's it's kind of a mess and then <laughs> he comes back and it's like nets are everywhere and there's ropes everywhere and there's squids crawling around and like, no, nah, this mechanic on this backwater planet might be a Mon Calamari, but not all Mon Calamari are the best mechanic.
2: <laughs> yeah, might not be what they're known for. I wonder what he would have gotten from someone like Peli and her pit droids if she if, if she had been giving given a thousand credits, she would have fixed it up real nice. Oh, they could do
0: anything. She's we're, we're notorious Peli Moto stands around yeah. these parts.
2: Yeah, I love her.
1: She's a rock star.
0: She, yeah, I, I, I have to mention once an episode that she looks just like my mom in a wig and that, that that's part of the
1: appeal. <laughs> cool. I do hope we see her like every season. Like, oh, I, I just too. want to check in on Pelly every single season and just see how she's doing. Uh, um, yeah. whatever excuse they need to bring him back to Tatooine or I want like a life day episode where all of, um. Din's friends come together to celebrate Life Day and uh, him and Cobb Vanth take a like, really cute couple's yeah, you know, like holiday card and send it Aww. to people as an invite.
0: I love it. Pelly doesn't strike me as the type to take like holiday time off, though. She mm-hmm. has a quick little brunch with her pit droids and gets back to it.
1: I feel yeah. like she'd show up for the free dinner. She'd like take a plate and be True. like, hey, happy Life Day, and like walk out the door. Yes. She'd bring a box...
2: I hope uh, I hope Dr. Mandible is there, too. That giant ant that yes. was in the cantina. I don't want to bring him back.
1: <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Anything this episode, y'all, would change? Anything that you wish was a little bit different or a little bit better, maybe?
0: I would buy better internet sooner so I could watch it in one sitting. Uh, No, I would. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I like the Ahsoka name drop. I almost wish that that reveal had been a reveal. If she said, like, I have a contact for you. And then if they let us wonder for a couple weeks. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Like. Maybe I mean, we still got the episode with Ahsoka, but just not yes. the name drop. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm gonna disagree, Ryan. If only because fan speculation is like true, so darn toxic sometimes. That's that true. like... Sure. I feel like a lot of the yeah. super fans knew the rumor that Rosario Dawson was playing Ahsoka, and we're gonna get into that casting on that episode. Oh sure. yeah, but um. I feel like we kind of knew it was coming, but like at this point, just, just reveal the card. Like I don't want to yeah. have to deal with 10 <laughs> yeah. who, who who's the Jedi Boca 10 mentioned. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a good point. Cause I, I know when Alex was doing the reviews, uh, when the episodes were coming out, I remember he was like, thank goodness. They just, you know, put that out there so we can all stop wondering. And <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like, "Yes, yeah.
2: it's so
0: I guess it was nice wondering when rather than will. Yeah, yeah.
1: and like the 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 Soka name drop, I feel like made sense because like Bo-Katan and Osko have worked closely together before. So
0: yeah, that's true.
2: Mm. Um, I guess I wanted to see a little bit more. Like you said earlier about uh, Frogman, Frog Husband. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> I wanted to see a little bit more of him. But he was like, yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think some of your people have been here. I don't know. Talk to the bartender.
1: <laughs> it's just so funny because like that's the standard like D&D thing. Like you go to a new town and you <laughs> yeah. go to the tavern and you ask about news and like that's the standard like cowboy trope. And this is kind of a Western. And so for the frogman, just be like, I don't know, ask the bartender. It's like, well, he probably would have done that already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All he cares about are those eggs and, and you know, having his little family.
1: Yeah, so adorable. They're cute. Yeah, <laughs> I have talked about it before. Uh, I think I've talked about it every episode for season two so far. But this, the the last hallway run that Din does, where he charges the stormtroopers at the end of the hallway, and they have these big machine guns, and he he gets shot a million times and falls down. And then he still manages to throw the bombs and he gets up and he's completely fine. <laughs> I, I really dislike that. Uh, yeah. if, if you're going to establish those stakes and raise those stakes so much where you see them, the stormtroopers progressively get better weapons. They start with the E-11s, then they get the short trooper guns, and then they show a uh, DLT-19, which is like a big Star Wars machine gun thing if you're going to keep raising the stakes and ratcheting it up and like none of the other mandos feel like they can do it. They're like, we're pinned down. We can't move forward. And Din does it. There's gotta be some sort of consequence. I'm not saying that like you need to kill Din Dejarin, like he's the main character, but have him get shot, like have him get hurt, have the armor get damaged, have something happen where, uh, the stakes elevating mattered because, um, yeah, if your character can run down a hallway full of machine guns and get shot a bunch of times, it'd be fine. What <laughs> will hurt him?
2: Yeah, he does. He, he has this reoccurring like I've got a death wish kind of thing. When he like flies into the mouth of the great dragon, and he mm-hmm. will just run down a hallway getting shot at. He's putting a lot of faith in that Beskar. I mean, Beskar is great, but yeah, he's uh, he has a child. He needs to be careful.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I feel like he got beat up so often in season one, and that made me fall in love with him. Like, I love a hero who can get knocked down, and yeah, who can mm-hmm. then, you know, like, gradually get back to their feet. Like, I'm from Philly, like, Rocky is our hero. <laughs> um, and, yeah, there just, there wasn't the payoff I wanted. And I, I've talked at length about it before, but, yeah, that this is the episode where it happens, and... Uh, I still gritted my teeth. I I don't I don't like that scene. I wish it was a little bit different.
2: Yeah. Do you think it takes away from the badassness of Bo-Katan that she wouldn't do something like that and he would? No, I think she's smart. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And not to say that Din is is dumb because he's not. He's 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 clever and he's good at getting information out of people and stuff like that. And uh, he's clearly like very capable but uh, I think Din has a recklessness to him that bo doesn't. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when Maul kills um Pre-Vizla, Bo-Katan doesn't try and fight Maul. She's like, F this, we're out of here. And her and yeah. her people leave. Yeah. And that was very smart. Um, and uh, I think we see that in Rebels, too, with how she conducts herself. So I, I don't think that that was an act of cowardice or, um, you know, lessens her badassness. I just think she was like, oh, that's a hallway full of machine guns. And <laughs> all Mandalorian armor is crop tops, shoulder pads, and shin guards. <laughs> uh, it's just Din had a level of plot armor there that she didn't.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And, and those little button bomb things that he uses. Maybe she didn't have those.
1: Yeah, those are handy. You, you think, you know, they have the the missiles on the jetpacks, but maybe that would have damaged the ship too much. Uh, yeah. Because I, I guess they they were intending to steal the whole ship.
2: Yeah. I wonder if we'll see that ship again, now that I think about it.
1: Yeah, that would be a good payoff, actually. If yeah. The the Gazante... They stole, we end up seeing again later, and it's full of Mandos.
2: Yeah. Maybe there's like a whole fleet of them, and they're like, yeah, we were just, Every, everyone we saw, we were like, yeah, I kind of want that. I'm going to go steal they're it. They've
0: just been serially stealing Gazantis.
1: <laughs> Not at all a negative, but I got to bring up the four Imperial extras whose faces we saw. They're all amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the little twink piloting the ship who's like super <laughs> sweaty and like very clearly having a very bad day Aww. is amazing. And then the dude in the cargo bay, uh, who is just like the biggest coward is fantastic. And then, um, this, this like captain guy who was clearly like, extremely devoted. It's post-Operation Cinder. Oh, that was excellent. He's Mm -hmm. seen some shit, and he's done some things, and uh, you know, he's willing to to die for uh, Gideon. Yeah, this... All of the Imperial guys were fantastic.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: This story better than any other explored the whole... I mean, it's kind of a given that anybody who's still hanging on to the Empire at this point is probably more radically devoted than most of the Imperials we see in any other story
2: right yeah he's he plays like a great uh super great bad guy and the yeah that line yeah. of like long live the empire like that's their Ugh. secret code word of being like you you're just gonna have to take yeah. one for the team here
1: <laughs> it's it's a flip side of radicalization because we've seen clone troopers like heavy make sacrifices to die so that their friends can escape and we've you know, Rogue One is a movie about that
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh for the rebels, and we've seen Rebel pilots do it. Um uh the holder maneuver. So like we, we've seen the good guys do stuff like that, but then you flip it and you have the Empire doing it, and it's really sinister and chilling. Uh it's it's really shocking to to see at the end of this episode here. Um and the, you know, all of the allusions to Gideon in this episode and, and him showing up on the hologram. So spooky.
2: hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because at first he's like, we need backup like right now. And he's like, well, you know, Gideon's like, well, it sounds like it's a little too late for that, huh? <laughs> and you're like, damn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it feels like the the captain didn't call earlier because he didn't want to get in trouble. And then he calls and it's Gideon's like, it's too late. If you had called, you know, (laughs) five minutes ago when this started, maybe something could have happened.
2: Yeah. It's
1: rough, rough day at work. (laughs) Bad times.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I love, uh, the deck officer guy that that's played by Kevin Dorf. He's a hilarious, like comedic actor that's has popped up in a bunch of things. He was in parks and rec, uh, which is one of my favorite shows, but I, I love him just like cowering down and he's like, close the door, to all of them, close all of the doors. And he's so proud of himself when he when he gets them and the guy's like, where are they? He's like, they're in the cargo bay <laughs> control room. I got them. And then he just gets sucked out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Bryce Thomas Howard really does a good job of balancing like super like, raw action beats, like, really heavy violence, and then, like, peppering in moments of comedic relief to, like, give you space to breathe in this mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really appreciated. Like, if it was just the non-stop Mando, like, death squad action, like, I, I, I'd, I'd fall over. I wouldn't be able to handle it. It'd be, like, action overload. But then there's these brief moments where you can, like, slow down, catch a breath, have a chuckle, and then get back into it.
2: Yeah. So good.
1: All right. Well, so any good. any last thoughts on this episode? We didn't stay long in negatives. We just went right back to positives. <sighs> it's a really good episode. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a really yeah. solid. I think it's brilliant.
2: You mentioned earlier that it was like one of the shorter episodes. I think, it, yeah, it's it's almost, you know, that's the best kind of episode to be a little bit shorter because the pacing was so good. Yeah. So much action. And then exactly. you get right down to the point of the Ahsoka name drop.
1: I yeah, I think there's a very real concern about one corporation owning all of our popular culture. <laughs> uh, and that, that is that there, there are discussions to be had there for sure. But the fact that The Mandalorian is on Disney Plus and episodes can be as long as they need to be. Mm-hmm. To tell the story that the creators want to tell is phenomenal. Like, yes. this did not need to be 48 minutes. It did not need to be 22 minutes. It could be whatever weird number of minutes this episode was in order to tell the story they needed to tell and and end it. And that's yeah. that's super cool. Yeah. I probably sound like an old fogey there being like, in my day, TV had to be, but it's, it's really cool. You're right.
2: Yeah. You don't have to try to stuff everything into a 20, 25 minute episode. You can, yeah, it has to be as long as it needs to be.
1: All right. Well, Molly, where can people find you? Uh, that sounded weird. Where can people follow your your content? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let me just give you my address. Uh, Pop by whenever. Dragon. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter at Molly Damon, and you can check me out over on Star Wars Explained. Um, we do the weekly Q and A videos, and we started doing weekly news roundup videos, and we are doing a lot of. Live streaming. We do a, a weekly Lego building live stream Wednesday nights at six thirty Eastern, and then every Friday evening at six p.m. Eastern, we have been talking about The Bad Batch, and we have various guests on there, and that's been really really fun. Live streaming kind of wasn't really our thing, and then the quarantine and the the pandemic happened, and we started live streaming a lot more, and now it's like. Half the time we're we're doing stuff live and it's really fun.
1: It it's a ton of fun. I typically don't watch live. I usually watch like at work the next mm-hmm. day, not to tell my boss. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they're they're a ton <laughs> of fun. Uh, I just kind of like put you guys in the background while I'm uh, checking emails and stuff. It's great. Yeah. Well, that's gonna do it for us. Follow us on Twitter at Force Friends Pod. We want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks for our intro and for being our producer. You should reach out to them to make your podcasting dreams come true. We are extremely grateful to also be part of the Where They May Radio Network. You can get some great rewards at our Patreon at Patreon slash WTM radio, as well as bonus content from Ending Pending and Fan Fiction is Good Actually. And we're adding a new podcast. Uh, I believe it's called uh, written and directed music by. I think it's called music by. I don't know. I should have written this down, Uh, (laughs) but it's by Ronnie and it's uh, Ronnie and a guest are going to take an album by a creator and like write a musical using it on the spot.
2: Ooh.
1: Yeah. So like Rocket Man, they took. Elton John music and made it about Elton John's life, uh, they're going to do that for all sorts of bands. I guess Green Day American Idiot would be a better example. But, yeah, it's going to be a super fun podcast. Ronnie is amazing. So, uh, stay tuned for probably the actual name next time and uh, more information (laughs) about it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the podcast. Molly, thank you so much for joining us. It was a ton of fun. Uh, we're big fans, and it was great to like get to hang out and talk stars with you.
2: Yeah, thank you again so much for having me. This was really fun, and I... I rewatched this episode and it reminded me that I just want to rewatch all of the Mandalorian because it's so good. That's well, what I, we're doing. I know a pretty
1: <laughs> decent podcast that if you want to listen along while you rewatch, you can uh, uh, check out the backlog with Molly and watch, watch uh, the show.
0: Yeah. There we go.
1: All right. Uh, Ryan, how do we end the, the episodes? We
0: end the episodes by acknowledging that as great as this was, it will never wash away the pain that was done by just not telling Ezra Bridger about his parents. We're still on that. We're gonna be on that for a while. Tell the boy about his parents. parents. They should have told him as soon as they found out.
1: You know, you know what happened to him. Also, (laughs) this applies, I guess, to Luke.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) that all turned out okay.
1: There's a, I mean, so did Ezra, but there's a few, if you know the secret about what happened to someone's parents, you should just tell them.
0: Yeah, just tell them. Just tell? Them.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> all Okay. That that sums up all of Star Wars.
0: Yeah. It does.
1: <laughs> Where they may radio.